0: Austin Jackson Bank looks up, you can put it on the board,
1: Taves center for Kane, he scores! Oh, Patrick Kane set up by John of the Taves! The dynamic oh, duo comes God. through in overtime! Hawks wins! Looking,
0: finds Rose, Rose trying to get open, fires away!
1: Welcome to a new episode of the Cloudgate Sports Podcast. We have our weekly episode here for you guys to listen to. We got quite a bit to talk about, especially with the Bears uh, giving uh, Sean Desai the uh, coaching job for the defensive coordinator. We also got some Super Bowl talk to get into uh, with the Super Bowl coming up in two weeks. Also with Tampa Bay being the first team ever to play in their home stadium uh, for the Super Bowl which is very cool. Uh, more Zach Levine talk. Uh, I, th- I feel like this is just a recurring theme with uh, the Bulls. It's going it's to be a talking point until something happens or he stays till the end of his contract. So I think that will be a guarantee for the next year and a half or however long we have Zach Levine. Uh, Blackhawks win today. Absolutely destroyed the Detroit Red Wings, which was great to see. We'll get into that also. Also, the Hall of Fame ballot will be announced on Tuesday. Who's getting in for baseball? We we're gonna we're gonna give our picks. We're gonna see who we think will get into the ballot. Uh, again, it's different every year based on the uh, voting. Sometimes the voters seem to lean a little bit more towards the steroid guys like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. Uh, they are trending up. They continue to trend up. I think. Uh, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were at sixty-six percent last year. You need to be at seventy-five percent to get in. So they're they're trending upwards and we'll see what happens there. But we're gonna get into the Chicago Bears new hiring of Sean Desai. So PT, take it away.
2: Yeah, so like you said, um the Bears hired Sean Desai to be our new defensive coordinator. Um, you know, I think I think this was a safe pick. I don't know about you guys. Um, and I kind of knew they were going to hire inside, too. There, there are these crazy names being thrown around, like Wade Davis um, and other, other people outside Mike of the organization. Singletary. Exactly. So, um, you know, I, and he, and I know that previous, before this even, defensive coordinator stuff was even um, in question before the season ended. I know that um, Sean Desai was very liked throughout the organization. Um, he has a very close relationship with Eddie Jackson um, and their family. So I know that's another good thing to uh, see as well. Um, It's going to be interesting because I think that what we've been missing and what has been an issue is we just haven't been bringing pressure. Um, And so if he's able to do that, and that's what part of his game plan is and his scheme, then I think that he will be a great fit in Chicago. Um, Until we find out more about that, I think that's all I can talk about. Um, Right now I think I like it. I think it's a safe pick. Um, So I guess we'll see if it's low risk, um, low reward. I I don't know. We'll we'll see. It's it's brand new It's fresh. Um, What are your guys' first reactions on it?
1: Uh, P- uh, P.T., you said it best, kind of. Everything's up in the air right now with the move. Uh, Don't really know too much about Sean. Uh, Hoping that he could come in and really help with this uh, defense just because of how powerful it is and just see get the full potential. We saw that at the beginning of the year this year. uh, The defense was looking like a top defense in the league once again. But towards the end of the year, it started to lose its luster and kind of struggle. So uh, the main thing that I want to see from the new defensive coordinator is just consistency with this team throughout the season and uh, really get the highest potential. I also want to see Robert Quinn step up. So I'd like to see Sean maybe uh, day one get into his face a little bit. I feel like that'd be a a good wake-up call for Robert Quinn.
0: So... I do agree. I think this was the safer pick out of what we had. There's been a pretty big shakeup in our defensive skill position coaches. Um, we did lose our D line coach, Jay Rogers, who apparently was one of the candidates we were looking to potentially promote to the DC. We also lost our outside linebackers coach, Ted uh, Ted Monacino. I apologize if I butchered that. Um, apparently, he was speculated early on to have been promoted for that uh, DC job. We did go on the side, though. So, from Reading a quick thing about him, he's the first internal promotion for D.C. since 2010 when Rob, uh, Rod Marinelli was tabbed by Lovie Smith following Bob Bash's demotion, which was 2007. Um, he's the first known coach of any descent to earn a coordinator role in the NFL, and his promotion arrives at a fairly young point in his career after finishing just his sixth season as an NFL assistant. So uh, I don't know if you guys know this. I haven't been able to look it up. How long has he been in the Bears organization? You guys know? I do not. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I have no, no clue. So my, th- okay, so my thing is, is was he brought on by Pagano? Was he here when we had, um, uh, Vic Fangio? Wait, I want to know if he's been able to see this defense shift to where they've gone wrong, mm-hmm. um, instead of just seeing it from Pagano's perspective.
1: He has been with the Bears for the past eight seasons.
2: Yeah, he's, I believe Yeah, he's been here for a while. I know
0: okay, so he's just, been through thick and thin. He's seen what's happened for the best in terms of like when we had the best defense in the NFL in 2018 with McBangio, and he's seen where it's gone south with Pagano. So
1: He's also young, like, too, which I like. We yeah, might be getting yeah. a nice, young, up-and-coming defensive coordinator.
0: Right. Normally, younger coaches are more open to trying new things, fear with stuff, and not really stuck in their ways. So I don't hate that idea. My issue is... And this is really hard for me to nitpick, but I do have to bring it up: is that we have seen our—he used to be our safeties coach—we have seen a severe regression in Eddie Jackson's game. And I've said it from the beginning that when we lost Adrian Amos, correct? Adrian Amos was on that twenty eighteen; he, he was yep. on twenty eighteen. So Adrian is a strong safety, and Eddie was free safety that year, twenty eighteen. Right. Yes. We lose Amos, we get HaHa Clinton-Dix, Eddie now shifts from free to strong, HaHa takes the free safety, and ever since Eddie, Eddie switched to free safety, to strong safety, he has regressed severely. So that's what scares me, is that Eddie has regressed severely under his rule of safeties coach for the past couple of seasons. Can you pin that on him? Maybe, maybe not. Can you pin it more on Chuck Pagano? Maybe, maybe not. It's really hard to say. My only nitpick with this is the progression of Eddie Jackson, that safety position really over since we lost Adrian Amos. And, I mean, Adrian Amos, we gave him a lot of shit back then. But, I mean, he was a solid uh, safety for us, and he's proving it. He had a hell of a game today against the, the Bucs. He did. So that's my only thing. Again, safe pick. I don't hate it. You have to look at it from both sides and seeing what he's gone through with his team as well as
2: how his position has evolved with Eddie Jackson. 100%. Um, I think that's a great point. One when- – Hagano took over. He was highly, highly criticized um, for that move that Pat just mentioned right there. Um, and fans have been calling back for Eddie Jackson to be moved to free safety for multiple reasons. Eddie Jackson is known to be a ball hawk. A strong safety is you're up on the line, you're making tackles, and that is probably the weakness of Eddie Jackson's game. We see it almost every week. He's missing tackles. Um, and, he, and he's not, you know, he's getting some opportunities to, to make some interceptions, but not as much as you would at the free safety position. Um, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pin it on the side because at the end of the day, he has a boss ahead of him that makes really the game plan and um, the decisions on where these people play. He only reports on how he looks. Um, so, you know, maybe there is some, maybe there was some input that was said that was either ignored or not. We don't know. Um, but I, I, I'm still, I still think that that move could be made. Um, we still have some issues. We, I don't know how long we have Gibson left um, because that could add some issues to that as well. But I agree, with Pat. We need to we need to see A. Jackson back in that free safety position because I, he's just not going to be a Pro Bowler in the in the strong safety position.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. Uh, but of course, with just like every other Chicago sports team, it's a big question mark. We'll see how it goes next season. Uh, we'll really be able to an in-depth look in how he does next season with such a big role coming into the next season uh so there have been a lot of trade rumors going around in the nfl with two ginormous quarterbacks uh one being in our own division with matthew stafford with the detroit lions it was announced this morning or late yesterday that matthew stafford and the lions have agreed to part ways uh, at, in means of a trade, uh, Matthew Stafford's ready to go, Lions are ready to move on, and the the drama with Deshaun Watson just continues to escalate, uh, news did come out that the Jets and the Dolphins are Deshaun Watson's two personal picks, I don't know exactly why he would want to go to the New York Jets, but there's some reasons that I could see why, but there are speculations that the Bears, especially from the fans, us fans love talking about it. There are speculations that we could possibly be in on both these guys. my opinion, we're getting neither of them. What are you guys thinking?
2: Yeah, yeah. The correct answer and the only right answer for the Chicago Bears front office is to not trade for any quarterback um, for multiple reasons. You look at Watson, he's going to need way too much, and the Bears are in a position where we don't have a lot of picks and we need to draft. We need to draft, and we need to build a core on our young players. Um, and then with Stafford, I've already heard that the number one team right now could be um, the 49ers. Um, and, you know, I, I just don't see him coming back um, to the Bears. And like I said, I don't want the Bears to trade for Matthew Stafford, no matter what his price tag is. Yeah. Um, I, just, I just think that we need a draft. We need to get a young quarterback in here that hopefully that we can draft correctly. Who knows if we'll do that. Um, but I, I think we need to stay away from these trades for these quarterbacks.
1: Also, I don't think the Lions would ever trade a star quarterback in their division.
0: Correct. Yeah, I don't think they would either. Um, yeah, we're not getting a Sean Watson uh, from you. You you can't talk me into two first rounders for him. Um, I won't take. I won't give him two. I see people on Twitter saying I'll give up four first rounders for Deshaun Watson That's seven years basically worth of drafts right there That you're not going to have a first round pick No thank you um, I think Deshaun's going to go to the Jets If you're the Jets need to land Deshaun Watson Because you're not getting Trevor Lawrence. Justin Fields is a huge question mark You need to give everything You possibly can to get Deshaun Watson Because that's your only chance of being A competent team Within the next five years I would honestly say Um Matt Stafford, I love him. I've never it's that it's a guy you can't hate. Like I love Matt Stafford. Uh, he I feel bad for him because I mean if he's in any almost any other team he's got a Super Bowl ring by now. Like he's he if he never wins a ring he will be him and Phillip Rivers are gonna be two Hall of Famers that are gonna get him for not ever winning a ring just because they put up stupid numbers. Um, I do respect the Lions a lot for what they're doing here. The Lions are going through a full rebuild in terms of the front office coaching staff. Matt Patricia went back to Bill Belichick in New England, which I'm sure he's stoked about. And Matt Stafford realized what was going on. He's like, listen, I don't have much playing time left. I'm injury-prone. I get a lot of concussions. Send me somewhere I can go win a title. I've been here for 10 10 years, 10, 11 years. I've done everything I can. I love the city, but I need to go. And they're going to respect that. I love it to death. Um, A place I would love to see Matt Stafford go is I think he's a perfect fit for Indy. I really do. Phillip Rivers is retiring. Matt Stafford filling in that role perfectly, in my opinion. If he could stay healthy, man, that Indy team could be very good because Philip Rivers didn't really have that long ball threat anymore. It's kind of like Drew Brees didn't have the arm anymore. Matt Stafford, that's that's bread and butter for him. So I think Indy would be a great place. The Bears will not be going for any of these guys, and I'm totally fine with that. Not worth the draft stock.
1: Yeah, not worth it at all. Uh, I love the idea of Stafford in San Francisco or Indy. I just love the idea of San Francisco a little bit more. Uh, definitely did not perform to their expectations this year, barring a lot of injuries. Uh there is nothing that they could really do about it, especially also with COVID being such a weird season. Having a quarterback like Matthew Stafford would put that team over the edge and just they would be just as good as they were uh, last year. Uh, so that would be nice to see. And then with Indy, Uh, after Andrew Luck retiring, they kind of hit the panic button on finding a quarterback. They found one in Phillip Rivers, and now he's retiring. So it wouldn't be a bad idea for them to go get Stafford, for sure. Now, going to the Super Bowl. Usually we have the Pro Bowl coming up this week, but obviously because of COVID that will not be happening. So uh, now that the Chiefs game's over, uh, the Chiefs did defeat the Bills, we have a Chiefs versus Buccaneers Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, with Tampa Bay being the home team, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, the first time ever that that, 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 that has happened, which is very cool. And in this situation with how COVID is this year, I personally think that that gives them an advantage over the Chiefs. Uh, an article just came out not too long ago that the NFL is having the Chiefs come to Tampa Bay two days before the Super Bowl. Uh, and that just does not seem like enough time for a team to prepare when the other team, that's their home stadium, don't really need much time to prepare. So how are you guys feeling about this Super Bowl? Do you think it's a good matchup? Uh, I I think it's a very good matchup. So what do you guys think?
2: I think it's a great matchup. Um, The thing I'm going to be looking at, obviously, um, how is Mahomes going to progress? I thought that the Chiefs were in trouble this week. With Mahomes having his toe injury and coming off a concussion, um, it, it's obviously something to be worried about because I I don't know if you guys saw the videos or pictures of him off last week coming off that concussion off the field. He had no idea where he was at. No, but he still I mean he was probably ninety there's eighty five to ninety percent Patrick Mahomes tonight and, and look what they did to the Bills. Um, I think that Tampa Bay's defense is very good. Um, And if especially they can get their two safeties back, um, I I think they have a really good chance. Tom Brady is unreal. Um, The fact that he has the same amount of NFC championships as Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers blows my mind. Um, And Greg scrossman. And Greg Scrossman, yes. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Pat. Um, I I think he, after today, solidified him as the GOAT. Um, And I I really don't want to argue with anybody about that, but... With that being said, also I think there's some tilt to this being the first ever home team to host a Super Bowl. Um, you know, I you know, it's Florida too, so there's gonna be fans there. Um obviously KC will have their fans there as well. Um, but you know, I, I just think I think it would be absolutely crazy if the Bucs come out and win a Super Bowl. and to, top of bay, baby. That's 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 all top of it. Yeah, it's gonna be an absolute blast. The fact that they're playing in the in
0: the Super Bowl in their home stadium, it's a great great feeling. You're gonna have it's a feel good story too. Roger Goodell is gonna be a bunch of free tickets to uh, frontline workers that have all, re- all received their vaccine. It's gonna be a great feel. Um, you got the weekend performing the halftime show. Blondie White's gonna be playing. It's gonna be an absolute banger. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun, man. It's I think they match up very well, especially if the Buccaneers play, they played without Antonio Brown today too. While the Chiefs also played without Le'Veon Bell, so it's going to come down to defense. They have these are prior to two most lethal offenses in the league right now. The obviously the Bucks had a little bit of a rough start uh, to go around or to start off season, but I mean hey man, I'll be, I'll be the one saying I I said the Pack was going to win the Super Bowl. I really did. I not see anybody beating them. But at the end of the day, that Bucks defense showed up big time. They would put Aaron Rodgers down. And uh, we'll have to see, but it's going to be a lot of fun. It's 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 going to be a shootout. It's going to be an absolute shootout. But whatever defense can show up and show up in a clutch play to force a turnover or get a huge stop, they're going to be the ones to win the game.
1: Yeah. Uh, so let's get into predictions here. The the fun part about uh, watching sports is always trying to guess, make some bets, and we're going to give our predictions on who's going to win, what the final score is going to be. So. My gut says to go with the Chiefs, but my heart says to go with Tampa Bay. So I'm going Tampa Bay 34-31. I'm
2: going Tampa Bay 25-17. I said this before. I'd much rather see Mahomes win a back-to-back title
0: than see Brady win his first in Tampa. But I don't see Tom Brady losing this game. I'm going Tampa Bay. I'm going to go 27-21 Tampa.
1: Yeah, so there we go. We got a Cloudgate Sports sweep with uh Tampa Bay. So last
0: last time this happened, it was Ohio State and we were all dead fucking wrong.
2: It's Alabama <laughs> national title. <laughs> so, so, you know what that means. We're, we're due, due. Cloudgate Sports and uh make some money. Yes. Yeah, true.
1: We are due. We're due for a good one. So, but it's also a great time of the year. Super Bowl is always fun to watch, be with friends, family. And, of course, watching the commercials, there is nothing quite like commercial time during the Super Bowl. And like Pat said, the weekend performing halftime will be an absolute banger. Uh, Can't wait for that. So, moving on from football, we're going to go to baseball. Some quick Cubs news before we get into the Hall of Fame ballot. I also have a short rant on the uh, Los Angeles Angels and Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, But going with the Cubs here, they did sign Austin Romine. Uh, and Shelby Miller. Austin Romine is most known for getting in a fist fight with Miguel Cabrera. Uh, Awesome fight video if you want to watch that Uh, right on top of home plate too. Very nice fight. Romine threw a couple good punches. So hopefully we get that uh, same Romine with the Cubs here. And Shelby Miller is just a journeyman. Uh, If you guys remember Edwin Jackson of the Cubs, very similar uh, in what his job is going to be for the Cubs and that's going to be to eat up innings. Uh, and Shelby Miller had a great start to his career, kind of derailed a little bit once he went to Texas, got hurt. Uh, he's been dealing with injuries. The, these, I'm afraid to say, these are rebuilding moves. Uh, it's it's going to look tough, uh, and it's going to get even tougher right now because we're going to talk about KB and Kyle Hendricks' trade rumors. Uh, came out this morning that the Cubs have been in contact with the Toronto Blue Jays. Also, shout out to the Toronto Blue Jays uh, trying to make a run for their division. Uh, it's nice to see uh, Toronto fans are absolutely crazy and ridiculous when the Blue Jays are good. As uh, we've known, was that I think it was 2016 when Batista had his bad flip and Edwin Encarnacion hit the walk-off off Ubaldo Jimenez. Uh, just That was absolutely electric. I'd love to see the atmosphere more in Toronto in the uh, Sky Dome. Uh, but the rumors are that the Cubs would be sending Chris Bryant and Kyle Hendricks to the Blue Jays. And if I were a Cubs fan, uh, I would be, I would feel indifferent about this trade for a couple reasons. One, if you guys give up Kyle, Kyle Hendricks, it's a complete, this is, th- there's no hope they're blowing it up. Cause if you trade your, you already traded your number one pitcher. And now if you're trading your number two, You're in dire need here. Uh, The Blue Jays do have a very stacked prospect capital. Uh, I could see the Cubs getting a uh, MLB kind of guy like Kevin Biggio. Uh, I think he would fit very well for the Cubs, considering the opening at second base, even though with Nico Horner. But if Javi Baia, like there's a lot of question marks with this team uh, for the future, but I think Kevin Biggio would fit well Uh, Danny Jensen, who's a catcher, uh, Wisconsin native, not too far from Chicago. Uh, He could be a good fit for this team also, with the rumors swirling around with Wilson Contreras. Uh, A lot of rumors going around, not a lot of movement, so don't hit the panic button just yet. Uh, But boys, do we feel like there's some actual traction to these rumors? And if so, do you think that a deal will be done?
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. I think this is kind of something they've been tipping their um, hand to the world that that they could possibly be in a full blown um, blow up situation, you know. And I, you know, and I think that we kind of talked about what they we we definitely knew that Brian would be dealt at some point, um, and then Hendricks kind of popped up and are like, well, it does, it's not surprising. It's not surprising to me. Um, and honestly, I think if they're able to get a good haul, I, I wouldn't be feeling too bad. Um, because right now they really haven't, and they need to start if they if they're gonna do this whole blow up thing. Um, so as a Cubs fans, like like we, like we've said in all our past episodes, it's gonna be a rough couple next years, um but honestly if they if if they really want to have a direction, I think that this trade would kind of put them in that. Um, and honestly, I, I think it'd almost be better if they do do this. I, as much as I'm not, I'm not
0: obviously I'm, I'm a White Sox fan. I'm not a Cubs fan. Uh, if anybody listened to Redline Radio last week, it's it, I feel horrible. Chris Ryan gets booted out of Chicago. Man, like he's a nice guy. He loves the city. Um, but my thing is, is yeah, Toronto's all in. What they just signed uh George Springer. Spr- Springer. They were originally supposed to get Michael Brantley. That fell through. I mean, they're they're all in. Um, well, I, if they make this trade, then they'll definitely be all in. My question though is the Cubs clearly gonna get the haul that they not that they should've, but probably not what they wanted for you, Darvish. What they had one they had one guy in the top one hundred to e- come
1: from that trade? Maybe one. I'm not hundred percent sure on that.
0: What do you I mean I, I, I with what this are you type of for this?
1: with this type of deal, uh say that put it this way, if they were trading just Chris Bryant, they probably wouldn't get anything. Adding Kyle Hendricks to the deal is is how they're going to get their prospect capital from the Blue Jays. Uh, I could see them getting probably a top one hundred type guy, and then a couple an MLB ready guy, like I already said, and then maybe just some run of the mill single A double A prospect. Uh, so the haul, I feel like this would be a bigger haul than they would than they got with you, uh, Darvish if I'm being completely yeah. honest.
0: I, I would sure as I'll well hope so. Um, yeah. Would you rather get, uh, you know, okay, so let's say you're getting a an MLB guy and one top 100 player. If you drop the MLB-ready player, could you potentially bargain two top 100s, three top 100s? Uh, uh,
1: if the Blue Jays are all in and they don't care about their future, they want to win now, you could get two top 100 guys from them.
0: Uh, I mean, it's even still, like it's still like it, the the Cubs are in a bad spot. Like it, it's just I mean, I mean, hobbies. If you trade hobby, he's going to give you obviously a lot better product capital. Same with Rizzo. It's crazy, man. I mean, I do think as much as I, I mean, it's as much as I like Chris Bryant. He seems like a cool guy he loves Chicago. I do think it's time Chicago is coming to an end shortly. Um Kyle Hendricks is my untouchable. If you, brand you said if you trade Kyle Hendricks, you are embracing a full blowup. Um, so we'll have to see if Toronto lands it, man. Toronto's gonna be a serious threat, and dude, the playoffs are gonna be a lot of fun. But teams like the Sox, the Yankees, the Padres, the Blue Jays, it's gonna be a fuck ton of fun to watch. Um, Cubs fans, strap it in, man, and try. You better trust uh, Jed Hoyer that he's gonna do you right. But it's it's not gonna be a fun couple of years.
1: Yeah, uh, spring training is about a month away, so movement's going to start happening uh, here soon. I know we've been saying it for a little bit, but now is definitely crunch time for these deals to get done. Now, before we get to the Hall of Fame ballot, I would like to give my quick rant on the Angels and Pirates. I'm going to hit the pause button on the Angels rant right now. They did just sign Jose Quintana, uh, which... I'm very upset about for multiple reasons that I'm not going to get into right now. If they do, okay, hold
0: on, hold on, hold on. You, you went on a, you went on an angel's rant a couple weeks ago, a couple episodes ago. Yeah. And you said that the fact that they kept signing these like rinky dink type pitchers and not building a serious rotation for guys like Mike Trout. Yep. Are you saying Jose Quintana not good anymore?
1: He's, if you look at his numbers two years ago, the last full season, he was one of the worst qualified pitchers in the National League.
0: Okay, yikes.
1: Uh, but
0: they are the number one spot, at least from the article I read. Yes, the number that's... One spot for Trevor Bauer. Yeah. So does your opinion change about this team if you
1: add... Like, 100%. Of, that, I, that's why I'm hitting the pause button. If they get I Trevor gotcha. Bauer, then I, I will be a little bit more lenient uh, for this team. I don't... It, yeah, I'm going to stop before I get going. Uh, but with the Pittsburgh Pirates, here's the thing. They're obviously in a rebuild. But they're doing the rebuild so wrong, it's ridiculous. They're not signing anybody. The White Sox, when we were rebuilding, we signed Joakim Soria, all these guys in the bullpen that we were able to trade halfway through the season and get something back. I don't even know if any of those guys are still on the team. We still got something, maybe striking gold. The Pirates are doing fucking awful. They're one of the lowest uh, payrolls in the league. They don't spend money. They, historically, the Pirates have been like this. With the owner group that they have now, they are known as the one of the worst owners in the franchise. Uh, it, it's just terrible. They're not spending money uh, for guys that... Jose Quintana is a great example. They get Jose Quintana. He catches fire. They trade him halfway through the season. Get something. They're not signing anybody. Let me let me pull up their roster real quick. And, and I want I want to name some of these guys to you. Okay. Infielders. Rodolfo Castro, Philip Evans, Eric Gonzalez, Kevin Newman. They do have a couple guys, Cabrian Hayes, and Cole Tucker. I'll give you that. Their outfield, th- this outfield might honestly be the worst outfield in the whole MLB. Uh, they got Anthony Alford, Jared Oliva. And then they got Brian Reynolds, who's actually pretty solid. But the, the they don't have any young talent to be like, oh, in two years we're going to be running the NL Central. We got a lot to look forward to. They're looking in a black hole of nothing. This team is going absolutely nowhere. They traded their probably their biggest player today to the New York Yankees, which fucked them because that pisses me off because that just made the Yankees better. Uh, but they, they trade their guy that, that, that was their one guy. That'd be like the White Sox, uh, when Burley was uh, just starting his career before 2005 and we trade him right? Jamison Tyone has a very strong future and they just gave up on him and and it hurts. Uh, here, here's something that I want to tell you guys and our listeners, uh, Garrett Cole and Jamison Tyone were both top five picks for the Pirates in 2010 and 2011, and now they are both playing for the New York Yankees. It's just, it, I'm done with my Pirates rant. Uh, it's not a good look for rebuilding. They're doing it wrong, and it's just bad.
0: Hey, man, it takes some skill. It takes some skill to really drop a ball like that. I and mean, it does. At least you're not a Pir- at least
2: you're not Pirates fans. Least, I mean, it makes Cubs fans happy. Yeah, yeah, right. The Cubs have something else to look at in their division and feels bad. I guess. Yes. And, yes. Yeah, you're 100 right.
1: 100%. Definitely. Now we're gonna be moving on to some. Th- this is probably my favorite time of the year, baseball wise, besides postseason, obviously. But Hall of Fame time. It's it's a beautiful time. It, it it's my favorite to look at the ballot and really sit down, deep dive, and I, I usually sit down for an hour or so, look at stats, figure out who I think is actually going to be in the Hall of Fame, and I can honestly say this might be the first year in a while that we might have zero guys going into the Hall of Fame, so you need to be at a 75% clip of the votes to get into the Hall of Fame. We have some close ones. Kurt Schilling was at 70% last year. Uh, Bonds, Clemens they, they're they hand in hand it, it, they're both they would either both go in or they both wouldn't because one guy is not going to vote for Clemens and vote for Bonds they're both if you're going to vote for one of them you're going to vote for both of them so we're going to go down uh, I'll, I'll give off my 10 I'll spew some stats out there and then you guys can give me your players uh, that you guys think have a shot getting into the Hall of Fame uh, so starting off Curt Schilling was at 70% last year I think he has a real shot of getting in this year. Uh, a lot of people question why Kurt Schilling isn't in the Hall of Fame. And the main reason is is because he is a dickhead on social media. Just an absolute fucking dickhead. And it, nothing to do with his playing career, which I think people kind of steer away from sometimes. Uh, pe- people can be dickheads in life, but that doesn't mean that they're not good at baseball, good at football, good at basketball and that they don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Curt Schilling 100% deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He's sitting at over 200 wins, over 3,000 strikeouts, and he's a three-time World Series champ. Number two, I got Roger Clemens. Uh, Arguably, he's the best pitcher of all time. Uh, Seven Cy Young Awards, two-time Triple Crown winner, uh, won the MVP in 1986, has over 4,600 strikeouts and over 350 wins. Y- you're not going to see those stats just anywhere nowadays. Especially those wins. You're not. I don't think we're ever going to see another pitcher come close to 300 or 350 wins. It's very difficult to come around now with how the bullpen is being used in baseball. Number three, and this is my biggest one. Barry Bonds, who, in my opinion, is the best baseball player of all time. Uh, Steroids, I don't care. I I think he's the best baseball player of all time. He's obviously the all-time home run leader. He's also the record leader in walks in a season, walks in a career. Home runs in a season, home runs in a career. He has the record for a 6.09 on-base percentage in one season which means that he's getting on base 100 points higher than half the time, and he has the record for an 8.63 slugging percentage in one season. Just, just some more accolades for Barry Bonds. Seven-time MVP, eight-time Gold Glove winner. I mean, just, he. there's no person who will be ever as feared as Barry Bonds was during his home run streaks with the Giants. And even when he was that skinny guy with the Pittsburgh Pirates, you can even put up that he was a Hall of Famer at that point as well. Uh, number four, uh, the White Sox fans, we know him pretty well. Omar Vizquel, probably one of the best fielding uh, shortstops of all time, if not one of the best uh, fielding players of all time. Uh, Omar Vizquel has a 985 career fielding percentage, which is tied for all time. He also is the all-time leader in games played and the all-time leader in double plays. And going along with all those great fielding accolades, he he, he did hit over 270 in his career, which is uh, very good for a guy that's uh, defensive only. Uh, a couple more guys here. Gary Sheffield. I, I don't understand the hate with Gary Sheffield. I know that he also kind of has that steroid uh, past. He has over 500 home runs has a 292 career batting average and over 2,600 RBIs. Uh, in my opinion, if you hit over 500 home runs, you should definitely be in the Hall of Fame, okay. which leads me into my next guy, Manny Ramirez, who also has 500-plus home runs. But not only does he have the home runs, he has the 312 career batting average, uh, having over 500 home runs having a three hundred batting average over your career should be an automatic get into the hall of fame. He also has over eighteen hundred RBIs. Sammy Sosa, uh I, I'm kind of confused on why uh Bonds and Clemens are grouped together, but then Sammy Sosa is all the way down on the ballot. Uh he, he's struggling to hold on to the ballot at uh I think he's at he was at twenty percent last year. Uh he had over six hundred career home runs 1600 hits. Uh, he was just. If you want to talk about a fun time with baseball, and when baseball was at its highest point, it was when Bonds, McGuire, Griffey, Sosa, all those guys were going home run chasing. I, I can tell. I could tell you that definitely over half the league was juicing at the point, and it. It the fact that these guys are so that people are so focused on that. I get that now it is a form of cheating, but at the time it was not illegal, so I don't really see why that uh, should tarnish their Hall of Fame uh, candidacy. Now going into uh, closing out my ballot, I have three pitchers, Andy Pettit, Tim Hudson, and Mark Burley. All of them uh, were very solid, but Andy Pettit's kind of an interesting case here. Doesn't have the accolades regular season-wise. But if you look at the postseason, he has five World Series rings. And he has 19 career postseason wins, which is the most all-time by any pitcher. Tim Hudson, as well, has 200-plus wins with 2,000 strikeouts. Uh, Mark Burley is an even bigger interesting case. We see the guys on MLB Network talk about it a lot, if Mark Burley uh, should be in the Hall of Fame. He has thrown a perfect game, has thrown a no-no. And has over 200 wins. So he's got his case. uh, And a World Series. And a World Series, correct. can't forget that. Yes, we'll never forget that. Uh, But before I pass it on to you guys, I do want to shed some light on people. There's a couple guys in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm not calling them out. I'm not saying that they don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. But they themselves also had their steroid usage. Uh, Just some names to throw out there. Guys like Mike Schmidt, Tim Raines, Ivan Rodriguez, and Jeff Bagwell are some of the bigger names that have uh, been around the controversy of steroids or substance abuse, things like that that are now illegal uh, that weren't at the time. So it's just an interesting case to see how this season's going to plan out because once you hit 10 years on the ballot, you're no longer on the ballot. Uh Bonds and Clemens are both on their ninth year. Uh so their times coming up quickly. Uh after the ten years, you can be voted in by the Veterans Committee. I think it's every ten years after your tenth ballot or something like that, you get thrown on the Veterans Committee and you get another shot. So go ahead, boys.
2: Alright, so my knowledge in this whole spectrum is is is, is not the best. Okay, so Stay with me. I'm not Mahoney. I don't have all these crazy stats and stuff. But I've got five people I'm looking at right now. Two that are really close to my heart. Um, two that are kind of just funny and a joke. And then one person I think that doesn't even belong on this thing. Um, I'm sure you guys know that one. Um, if you guys could take a guess, I'll start with that. Nick Swisher, fuck you. Um, you know, I, I and I, you know, I stand behind Ozzie Guillen. Um, that's my boy. Um, they just don't have, I don't know. I just never really got a positive vibes from him. And I just never really, he, I mean, yeah, he wasn't, he was a White Sox for a sh- short stint, but I mean, I, I don't even know how he's on here compared to these other guys, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I, I
1: mean, so with the ballot, if you hit, there's like, uh, numbers that you have to hit. And if you hit them, then you're automatically on the ballot, no matter what, okay. I, I think it's 10 years in the league and you're automatically on the ballot. So like recently retired Gordon Beckham uh he announced his <laughs> retirement a couple days ago. He will he will be on the Hall of Fame ballot because he played 11 years.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I, I still st- I still stand behind Ozzy yeah. and say fuck you to Nick Swisher. Um two two kind of funny ones. Um I played this show and the two guys that kind of were a big anchor on my team for a long time and I have to give them a shout out. Um Billy Wagner and Todd Helton, they, they helped me get through my early show days. Just shout out to them. I'll keep an eye on you, and maybe hopefully you guys get a couple of votes and we'll know who sees. Um, but too close to my heart. We'll start with Tory Hunter. Um, I kind of grew up kind of the same with this other one, watching him playing our division with the Twins in Detroit. Um, and he always was just kind of like a guy that I kind of remember in my head growing up and watching him play. So it would be pretty cool to see him get voted in if that's even possible. Um, and then Mark, our, our own Mark Burley. Um, you know, he he was very, very special to Chicago White Sox and in our hearts. Um, and it would mean to the world, I think, us and the Chicago White Sox fan base if he's voted in. So those are my five guys, kind of fun and close to my heart, that I'm kind of looking forward to. Um, but it'll be interesting, because if, if zero get voted in this year, when, when is the last? Has that even, like, is they, I
1: I, I believe it happened in 2011 or 2012.
2: That's crazy to me. That's like That blows my mind.
1: Yeah, and you know what? Another interesting thing with this ballot is there's a lot of newcomers, a lot of guys with their first year on the ballot. To stay on the ballot, you need 5% of the vote. Uh, unfortunately, Canerco, we saw him not get 5% last year, which was absolutely unbelievable. I'm still pissed about it to this day. Uh, so we will never see Paul Canerco in the Hall of Fame for that reason.
2: Yeah, that, that sucks. But yeah, what happens? Go ahead, Pat. Uh, so again, I'm going to piggyback off PT.
0: I do not have the knowledge. There's a reason why I cover the Hawks and not the White Sox or baseball in general. Um, so for me, uh, I think just out of respect and in terms of their legacy in the sport, I think Curt Schilling and Roger Clemens are probably going to be shoeins. Um, they like you said, Brand. So like, they still have another year, correct?
1: Uh, Schilling's has, Schilling has a couple years left. If Roger and uh, Barry Bonds don't get in this year, they got one more.
0: Well, it says Schilling, Clemens, and Bonds are all at nine right now.
1: Oh, then, yeah.
0: Okay, so they do have one more year. Okay, all right. Yeah. So I will say that Kurt um, Schilling and Roger Clemens will probably get in. Uh, I'm going ahead and preface this by saying. If you allow guys like Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa to be in the Hall of Fame, then Pete Rose deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I will stand by that. Um, I think that's idiotic. And I think eventually if a guy like a player's guy like D. Epstein does take over as commissioner, I feel like there is a chance we can see that getting overthrown, and uh, they will kind of reinstate uh, Pete Rose for that. But I'm going to go Kurt Curt Schilling, Roger Clemens. Uh, I think Barry Bonds will also make it too because at the end of the day, whether he cheated or not, The revenue that he drove for the MLB during that chasing home runs era is, I mean, it's game-changing. It literally, there's a whole era specified that's tied to four guys, and he was one of those four guys. Whether you look at it from whatever perspective, everybody was tuning into those games was at the 1998, what season? 98 season. Um, People were turning, whether you were a Cubs fan, whether you, whatever fan you were, even if you didn't give two shits about any of these guys. You were turning, tuning in to watch these guys go just bomb balls left to right. Uh, I know if you guys was a part of my take, Greg Max was on last episode of a PMT and they asked him like, how was it pitching to Barry Bonds?" And he's like, it was easy. I just fucking walked them. I wasn't going to throw to him. Um, so I think that's funny. So I'm gonna go Kurt Schilling, Clemens, Barry Bonds. Uh, I love to see Omar Vizquel make it. Obviously, he's a legend for the a quote unquote legend for the White Sox. Uh, he was always a good dude, just an all round like nice guy. He is. He's a AAA coach for us, isn't he? he
1: no, he uh, recently got let go. He's coaching in uh, Mexico or the Dominican, I believe. He's a head coach for one of their teams.
0: Got you, got you. Um, so I say if there's going to be three people that make it, it's going to be shilling, Clemens and Bonds. With Brandon, you're right. If you're going to put in Clemens and Bonds, well, I don't know why you're not putting in Sammy Sosa at that point. Again, one of those guys that was a part of that era that drove up revenue, that drove, made the MLB known. Because at the end of the year, the MLB was kind of in a down time during that period until the home run race started. Really, mm-hmm. that's that was the really get like to pick me up for that '98 season. Um, now obviously. Who, Brandon, it, how how likely is it for like somebody to get in on their first year? Like Cheater, Derek Cheater, was it Cheater there, last year? That it, they
1: did it? It, I wouldn't say unlikely, but... What was it Who was it
0: last year? Was it A-Rod or was it
1: Cheater? No, it was Cheater.
0: It was Cheater. Was not a White Sox game that had the fake ballot that pissed everybody off? Yeah,
1: yeah so uh,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. kind of a recap on last year's uh, ballot. Since uh, there was no ceremony last year, they'll all be combined into one this upcoming year, Derek Jeter was one vote shy of 100%. Uh, So whoever that douchebag was, uh, not not a good look. Uh, But I also want to shed some light on one last thing with the Hall of Fame. Uh, So every year there's new voters. uh, There's new writers that are chosen to vote. Well, this fucking dickhead, whatever the fuck his name is, I'm not even going to give him the... Light of day, uh by saying his name. But he first year on the ballot, he turned in an empty ballot, didn't vote for one person. And to that guy I say fuck you.
0: Yeah, you tell him, Brandon. Yeah, you
1: tell him. Fuck him.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, well, I got a couple I want to hit on a couple more. Go ahead. Uh no, like I said I'm I say, like my my solid three is probably Michelle and Clemens and Barry Bonds. Um I guess Given Scal making it. I do want to tip my cap to Mark Burley, his first year on the ballot, obviously White Sox legend. Dude, there's a there's a couple like notable names that I remember like watching growing up on the on the first year on the ballots. Uh us I mean, we have Mark Burley, obviously, uh Nick Swisher. I don't know, I don't know. I didn't hate him, Switch hitter swisher. I didn't hate him when he was on the Olympics. I don't know. Grant, I don't remember too much about it. Uh Michael is on this list. Shane Victorino. I, I love Shane Victorino.
1: You the can't fly in a
0: all the teams he played play for um, he was part of that dominant what was the two thousand eleven Phillies team with Roy Halliday. Like, and he was on him.
1: that twenty fifteen uh Boston team.
0: He was. Um So, and I remember playing with Shane Victorino in MLB Two when Two K made MLB games, MLB Two K Eleven with Roy Halladay on the cover too. So uh, I I would say that it's going to be a lot of fun coming up, and I I sure as hell hope Mark Bro Mark Brody has to make it. The fact Paulie didn't make it was fucking stupid. Hopefully the Veterans Committee can kind of change that potentially. See, Um,
1: unfortunately with the Veterans Committee, you have to be on the ballot for ten years, and Paulie didn't even make it off one. So there's a zero percent chance we ever see Paulie in the Hall. Wait, what do you
0: mean? So you,
1: so, like, so say so say Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling go all ten years without making in the Hall of Fame. Then they go to the Veterans Committee, where every couple years they'll get sprinkled into a Veterans Committee ballot. And then the Veterans Committee, which is like I think twelve guys. Jerry Reinsdorf is actually a part of that Veterans Committee. Uh they vote on those guys. And I think it's eighty uh, percent of the vote. You have to get eighty percent of the vote to go into the Hall of Fame. So it's basically a second chance.
0: But so you say, Paulie? Wait, so why can't Paulie get in the Veterans Committee?
1: Because he didn't. He didn't even make it to his tenth ballot. He didn't even make it off his first one. Because you have
0: to. What, what does that mean? Like you have to hit a certain percent to be able to yes. stay on the ballots going forward. You have to. Oh, you okay. have
1: to. You have to be at a five percent clip to stay on the uh, ballot. And I think he was at like a 3.8.
0: How does he not get on? Like, how does that happen? Dude, uh, MLB voting is pretty stupid. Doesn't everybody hate MLB voting for the Hall of Fame? Isn't it one of the stupidest ones? Yeah,
1: and I will say this. I think Ken Rosenthal said it, that uh, it's the Hall of Fame is not – it is a coveted, like, you made the Hall of Fame awesome. It's also a museum for people to see baseball excellence – we, we, we need to stop being so uh, exclusive with the Hall of Fame. Of course, we can't be letting guys in like Nick Swisher. But but guys like uh, Tim Hudson, Mark Burley, guys who paved ways for players need to have an opportunity to get in the Hall of Fame as well. Instead of just, oh, they didn't have 300 wins, they didn't have 500 homers, go fuck yourself, you're not getting the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, I mean, dude, I want to see a shrine of Mark in there, one perfect game, one no hitter, one World Series came in, to hammered, save a World Series game, hammered. That's what I want to see. I want to see yeah. the beer can, all that shit. Yes. Um. But yeah, that's all. I, that's all I got though. It, it's 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 a, it's a fun time. Um. It is always fun to watch whether you pay attention or not. But uh, it's a, it's an awesome experience, and it will be cool to see everybody get inducted this year because we couldn't have a ceremony last year.
1: Yes, definitely. Now moving on from baseball, we will be going to the Chicago Blackhawks, who won a very close game today, uh, 6-2, to against the Detroit Red Wings. So, Pat, just get right into it, bud.
0: I mean, hey, we dropped four straight. We were 0-3-1, um, and then we played a two-game set in Chicago against our hated rivals of the Detroit Red Wings. We handled them both. Uh, you can go and check our post-game show for the uh, the first matchup. Uh, we did not do postgame shows last night because the Bulls got smacked and then kind of regular loss. So I think we were all kind of just out of it and probably hammered to the point where we probably shouldn't have recorded. So we're going to do it today. Um, we'll head on to the Bulls in a little bit. Hawks did win uh, 6-2 today. Pew Suter, uh, he is a rookie. He's like 24 years old. He scored his, Let's go, not, baby. Not his first goal. Not his first NHL goal. Not his second NHL goal, but his three, first three goals of his NHL career were scored today, uh, which is an awesome experience. And this is kind of what I want to talk about, too. After Kane scored a goal in that first game against uh against Detroit and it was like I said it was a lucky goal. Dude, Kane didn't even smile, man. And I'm like, that's I don't like that, you know? But dude, everybody on that ice was smiling ear to ear, seeing Pugh get three goals, like going up and picking up the puck. Everybody, like, Kane had a big ass smile on his face when he scored that third. Kane goal.
1: jumped on him, dude. He was so yeah. excited.
0: And that was what I love to see. Like, this isn't the season we want to have, but the fact that like, when I was seeing guys score and just, like, not really celebrate, I'm like, damn, man. Like, the morale's a shot right now. And I see, you know, the, the hat trick by Pew Suter. Connor Murphy, he scored his goal, and he was celebrating like a crazy dude, like Dustin Bufflin in the playoffs, where he's skating across the board with his leg and his arms up in the air. Um, so that was awesome. See, so yeah, I like to see the morale up a little bit. Again, another power play goal for the Hawks today. The first power play we were on, we scored on. Uh, again, second line power play. It's not just the first line that's scoring goals, it's the second line too, with Kubalik and Pew Suter. So I liked it a lot. Kevin Lankinen also had a great game too. Twenty seven shots faced. He saved twenty five. Again, I think I think Lank is, is filling in just fine. He's getting comfortable and if he keeps playing the way he is, he'll be he'll make himself pretty notable uh for the upcoming future. And Suban has been backing him up. And uh, you know, it's I, I was scared. dude the fat wait, we're third in the central division right now? What? With a two three and one record, we're, we're third in the Central Division. The Central must be hurting bad right now.
2: Um, Watch out. We're coming through the playoffs. Yeah,
0: I had one of my buddies talk or text me. It's like the Hawks are back, playoff hockey, and I'm like, no. No, that's not going to happen. No. Uh, but, hey, it's it's been fun to watch. It was a good two wins. Um, let me check who we play coming up, and then we can dish it to you guys. We play the Predators next. Now, the Predators in our last postgame show for the Hawks, the Predators were playing the first game of the season against the Dallas Stars, and the Dallas Stars were up 7-0 against the Predators. And let's see what the score is right now. The Predators just lost again to Dallas 3-2 tonight. So, Predators coming off two losses to face the Hawks, so we got to get on top of that. And let's see, man. Just go out there and have fun. I loved watching the game day because I knew, you know, obviously Detroit's not the best team, but it was just fun to watch, man. The guys were out there having fun. We were smiling. We were celebrating. It was just it was just a great, fun game to watch, especially those 1130 starts on a Sunday.
1: Definitely. Uh, just sit back, relax, enjoy this Hawks team. Enjoy hockey being on. I know we're not going to get the results that we want at the end of the year, uh, but enjoy the moments like today where we got to see that Hattie. It's always a special moment, especially when a rookie has his first three goals coming in hat trick. Uh, it's absolutely awesome, and enjoy seeing Patrick Kane happy. Enjoy that, yeah.
2: No, yeah. It's it's always good to have um, some positives come out of this because that's what we're set with. So we've always been talking about is we're gonna have to take these small steps, and you know, and if it's it's these kind of games that where everyone's smiling and having a good time, um, I'm gonna bounce back on every episode. Um, 34 hits 26. I 26, that shit just makes me happy. That uh, shit puts a smile on my face, and a shout-out to my boy, Connor Murphy. Um, I know there's some people out there, some of my friends that are Blackhawks fans, that don't care for him, um, but I have some faith in him. One goal, um, one assist, plus four on the stat line, um, and two hits, plus 20 minutes. So, you know, he needs to keep it up and be a leader on that defense, especially since he's wearing that A on his chest. Yeah, honestly, dude, I love Connor Murphy. He's such an unsung hero for this team. So, like I said, let's pick it up against
0: the uh, Predators. Got two quick points to wrap up on for the Hawks. One, uh, we did address this for a split second in our post game show for the Hawks. Uh, in the home opener, the home opener, I guess, even though there was no fans, uh, the announcer went through and announced all our coaches, all our players. Uh, we were able to see. Uh, uh, Nylander get out there on crutches after surgery. He was there with his team. Kirby Doc was also there. Brent Seabrook was also there. Um, Jonathan Taze was not there. They showed his picture on the uh, the Jumbotron to salute to him. Uh, I'll go ahead and reiterate this again, and we can jump into our closing point. Everybody on Twitter has seen the rumors about Jonathan Taze. Um, we are not going to address any of those out of respect for him and integrity of the, the, the media, I guess. Um, we hope nothing but the best for him. We hope to see him on the ice as soon as possible. But at the end of the day, uh, whether it's hockey or if it's bigger than hockey, we want him to be healthy and and ready to go for the rest of his career. Um, so we'll mention that. Last thing I just saw on Twitter, like 20 minutes ago, Scott Darling has signed a deal with the Ice Hawks. Now I'm 99% sure the Ice Hawks are still our affiliate. So who knows if shit hits the fan, Scott Darling might be seeing a be seen in a Hawks jersey again.
1: I would add, I would love nothing more than to see Scott if, Darling back.
0: I mean. Listen, man, whether you whether people like him or not, it's a, it's a hometown hero story. Born up in Lamont, he was a critical aspect to us winning after Corey Crawford was banged up for a little bit in that 2014-2015 season when we won the Stanley Cup. Wins the Stanley Cup for his home team, his home city, man. Like, that's an awesome story. And who knows, if, if Delia and Sue kind of suck or Wankin falls off we get some injuries, hey, he might find himself back where he belongs. And I, I'd much rather be Q coaching him. But, hey, um, I think it's a pretty cool story.
1: Yeah definitely moving on from hockey to the Chicago Bulls the very exciting Chicago Bulls uh falling to the Lakers last night uh let's see here 101 to 90 uh i think the big difference in that game was anthony davis uh played last night dropped near 40 points had six rebounds and three assists uh the bulls did show some heart though coming back after being down 20-plus points, losing by 11. Uh, We can't expect too much out of the. This is what I see especially. I know I talked about it. uh, It was one of our last post games. I talked about how I joined a couple Facebook uh, fan groups. The most insane, crazy Facebook fan group I have ever joined was the Chicago Bulls one. People are freaking out. They're wanting people's heads relax we this for us to win now is not in our plan you got to look for forward to the future uh the future is more important than the now with this young bulls team uh i chicago bulls fans stop going for each other's heads all right we all want the same goal with the bulls being good uh they did play well last night uh levine again putting up numbers 21-10-4, 21-10-4, and four, a double-double against the very good Los Angeles Lakers. You know what? We've played the Lakers twice so far this year, and we've lost by a combined 13 points. I will take that all year.
0: Yeah, uh, for me, I mean, it was it was a tough game. Uh, like I said, there's nobody else I want coaching this team to Billy Donovan in a game like this. We were getting our asses handed to us at the end of the first half. Brought some life back and fought back. Again, I said this was I said this was Kobe White. This was his game making 14.7 boards, four assists. F- again, 5 of 13 shooting, though. Just hasn't been hitting the mark yet for me, at least. Um, but he said he'll get there. Really, I think the reason why Kobe or me, uh, Anthony Davis dominated, no Wendell. I mean, Wendell, Anthony Davis going up against Wendell, and Anthony Davis going up against um, Daniel Gafford. That's two different spectrums right there. So that sucks to see. Uh, and also, too, uh, Otto Porter's out for load management. I don't give a fuck if this team's not playing well. They're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, I, unless unless it's an injury and you're just covering it as load management, he's got to be playing. The fuck I'm does that injured. even mean? I mean, yeah, he just wasn't supposed to play. I don't know. In a game like that, man, you need a player like that. I mean, especially the way that he's been playing off the bench. I mean, the way that whole, that whole squad is um, – between Patrick or not Patrick Young, uh, Thaddeus Young, Garrett Temple, Denzel, and him, those are about four big pieces off the bench. That probably hurts. I mean, the Bulls bench has been playing well lately. That Otto Porter is a big key aspect. of That so, why he was benched? Unless they're covering it as load management when it actually is an injury, I don't know why he's not playing. But hey, it's it's a tough loss. It's a, it's a tough one on the chin. Billy Donovan's gonna get on this team. They're actually, I think their next game just got postponed. I think I saw that today. Actually, um, I think they're supposed to play. Oh no, they play the Celtics tomorrow, and that or the day that we're this podcast is released. They had a game. Yeah, it's the game the twenty seventh at the Grizzlies that just got postponed because Grizzlies are having real bad COVID issues. So hey, it, the Celtics aren't. They're not a cakewalk. They're not. Um, so it'll be another fun
2: game to see them play and see how they respond after a tough loss.
1: Um, uh, that's good. Yeah.
2: You know, I think we just kind of have to look look at some of the. I mean, we got to pull positives from this team, and same with the Blackhawks. Um, it, it, there's going to be negatives. We're not going to win every game, um, and I, I think the fact that we almost only lost by eleven, I think, to a really good Lakers team, former world champions. Uh, I think you just take it with a grain of salt, move on to the Celtics, and hopefully, um, we see a little bit more competitiveness. You know what?
1: I'm a little nervous about this game against the Celtics. Uh, they just scored 141 points against the Cleveland Cavaliers. That, I don't
0: think Jason Tatum was playing this game either. Today, you want to check that too. I don't think Jason Tatum played, which is not good. The fact that they dropped 141 without Jason Tatum, that's kind of scary. I'm not gonna
1: lie. Yeah, no, uh, Jason Tatum, and they dropped 141 points. Uh, so, Jeez. So uh, we'll see the game tonight. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we will be having our post game recap. Hopefully, uh, after a Bulls win. Uh, now moving on. Oh well, we do have our Cloud Crowd segment. We've got a uh, pet friend. Pet, do you want to introduce this?
0: Yeah. So my my good buddy Merrick, he jumped on and wanted to participate in our Cloud Crowd segment. Merrick, I've known since kindergarten. Uh, he he's quite the guy. He's a JUCO basketball player. He's chasing his dreams out there. He's got a, he's a hell of a hard worker. He's a diehard. He's a hooper, man. He loves the Bulls. He loves talking about the Bulls. He always ends up getting in good debates about things. Um, I will say this. Merrick is like known to be the troll of our group. He loves to just like piss us off because he says he's a Packers fan, so he likes to get underneath our skin. Um, he's got the worst takes out of anybody in our group as well, but uh, he's a good kid. He uh, wanted to get in and jump in. He's, me and him have gone back, a couple, back and forth quite often about the whole Zach Levine and uh, idea of trading him. But uh, we'll get ready. er, I do want to give him a quick shout out. You can follow him on Instagram at Merrick underscore Young, um, and it's like tag name is Dream uh, Dream and Trusty. So Brandon, go ahead and roll the audio.
2: The question I propose is: Do you keep the young core, or do you keep Levine as a Bulls fan? Personally, I don't have a lot of faith in the young core because. Kobe White and Markinon are barbecue chicken on defense. That's just the reality of it. And yeah, Levine might take plays off too. But I think that their uh, Kobe White and Markinon's development got ruined under Jim Boylan. And I think you have to consider that and say, hey, I want to put my trust in Zach Levine. So, do you keep the young core or do you get rid of Zach Levine and see what you can get for him? Maybe a potential All Star or not. Uh, As a Bulls fan, uh, I'd love to know what you guys think as well. All
0: right, so again, we want to say a quick thank you to Merrick for sending audio. So again, we're coming back to this idea of trading Zach Levine. Now Merrick has expressed that he wants to potentially keep Zach Levine and look to ship out guys like Colby White and Laurie Markin for the idea that they have potentially had their development tarnished under Jim Boylan. I understand his point of view from there. The fact that what my one saving grace is to holding on to Laurie marketing and Kobe white more Kobe than Laurie. I would say is that Kobe only had to deal with bulletin for like 60 games. So it wasn't the end of the world. Like Billy Donovan, I think can kind of like nitpick all those things that he was taught and stuff like that. I just, I'm going to go back to it. I don't see Zach Levine being a star player for this team. Because we're not going to be a we're if we're going to be a title contender, or we're going to be a playoff contender. It's not going to be for a couple more years. I don't see Zach resigning with us because I don't think we're going to be able to give him the money he wants especially if he keeps playing at the level he's playing at. That being said, his trade stock is the highest. I think it's time. To, I think it'd be best to trade him. And I trust Billy Donovan to develop our young players: Lori Mark and Wendell, Colby White, Patrick Williams. I trust him to develop these players to be serious contenders. Obviously, he's coached guys like. Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, look where they're at now. So I don't hate this idea.
1: Also, Jokey Noah at the University of Florida.
0: That is all. true. And that Florida team was was something. That Florida team was something special too. Um, so I understand where Merrick's coming from in terms of weighing in the way what the impact Boylan had on those two guys. But I still think trading Zach Levine has got to be the best way to go.
1: Yeah, uh, he, he did bring up some good points. I will say this though with Jim Boylan and how terrible that was and how dark of a time that was for us Chicago Bulls fans. I feel like there's nobody better to be replacing Jim Boylan than Billy Donovan. Pat, you said it last episode or two episodes ago that once Billy Donovan stepped through the door, he said, hey, I know you guys have had a rough uh, couple years with this guy. Forget everything that he taught you. We're starting from square one. And I think that that's kind of a saving grace uh, for this team. Now going with Levine, uh, Pat, I agree with you 100. percent I think now is the time to trade him. Uh, don't put our heads on a stake, please, because there are some very aggressive Bulls fans that do not want to trade Zach Levine. But I am all for it. Uh, I love watching Zach Levine play. Uh, he's absolutely electric. But if you want, if you're more, if you're concerned about now, then keep Zach Levine. But if you're worried about the future and you want us to do well in the future, then you want to let go of Levine and get what we can from him now before we ultimately lose him when we can't afford him.
2: My point of view here is I believe that the front office has already established that they want to build from the ground up. Um, Starting with this young, so quote unquote young core. Um, And I think it all starts with Kobe White um, you know, I, the only concerning thing with this core being with Markin and Kobe White um, is that they cl- declined Markin's option next year. Um, and I don't think that he's going to get an extension. Um, they might do a one year deal. I don't know. Um, that's still kind of up in the air. Uh, but I just don't think that those two players would bring the amount um, that they would need to build around Zach Levine to make him happy. Uh, so I just think that if they do that, they would be going in a full circle and it would just be bad bulls. I think bad bad bulls basketball again, I think they're building something here. Um, and when you stay patient and I think that after a couple of years of drafting, um, and maybe picking up some key free agents, I think we'll be back to where we're seeing good bulls basketball. We're already, we are already are seeing it tongue twister, I guess I can't get my words out at 10 o'clock at night, but, um, you know, I think the best thing to do right now is get rid of Levine, trade him. I think that he has the best draft stock as of now, um, and stick with, and stick and believe in these core player young group.
0: Yeah. So again, thanks for going ahead and sending that audio clip, and we we'll have to see how things play out. I trust AK uh, a lot more than I trust Garnpax. Uh, you know, it's, it's a tough situation. It really is. I love watching the game to see Zach Levine play, but. I just think, it's again, it's a business. and you got to do what's best for yourself. And I just don't see, with having a year and a half over the rest of the season and our season left on this contract, I just can't see us affording Zach Levine in the future. And I don't necessarily know if keeping him and potentially trying to re-sign him is worth what we can get right now for him in terms of prospects and capital and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's going to be an ongoing debate. Brandon said it. It's going to be an ongoing debate left and right all all season long. Uh, I think he'll begin to pick up a lot more when the trade deadline rolls around. But, hey, we'll have to see, man. At the end of the day, he's a great guy to have around this young team right now. I bet you Kobe White is learning a lot. I bet you Patrick Williams is learning a lot from him. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what matters the most. And I I, I have every bit of trust in AK and in uh, and in uh, Billy Donovan. So I think that wraps up for the Bulls. Let's dive into some little couple of tidbits in the NCAA. Uh, Brandon, I'll save your fighting hours for last. So let's talk Thanks, about Tennessee. Man. Tennessee has come out, and they've been exposed for recruiting violations.
1: Hashtag yeah. canceled.
0: Now, it's it's as much – the display is weird with their stuff like this, and I get it. A lot of schools have been caught doing it. I get it. But the what makes this story funny and the reason why I threw it in our script is of how they were doing it. Did you guys read the story as to how they were doing it? Oh, yeah. They were putting money inside of, like, they bought McDonald's for the players so they could eat and chat with people. They were throwing money in their bags of McDonald's food that they are giving to the players to potentially bribe them to come to, to co- fucking come to Tennessee.
2: So smooth, so smooth.
0: I mean, hey, it's not a bad idea, but, like, also you're giving this money to, like, 17-, 18-year-old kids who are like, holy shit, I just got five grand and a bag of McDonald's going to, I do recruiting visit to Tennessee. Like, at the end of the day, it's going to get out. You have to think a little bit smarter about that. That's hilarious. But um, not only did Tennessee get caught with some recruiting violations, Brandon's good old Fighting Irish did, too. Brandon, why yeah, don't want to talk about
1: yeah, that? Ca- yeah, let me talk about this for a second here. And <laughs> So, a former assistant coach uh, got into contact with a high school athlete. I think it was before the uh, speaking period was.
0: It's like before your junior year, I think, something like that.
1: Yeah, so – he, he bit the bud. He, got, he went in a little bit early, uh, but Notre Dame's not the only school that had a problem with this uh, player. Uh, his last name is Smalls. He was the number 15 uh, ranked prospect for college this year. Uh, he also was in uh, similar cases with Florida and Texas A&M. Uh, ultimately, he chose none of these schools, Yeah, we're all getting punished for it. He's going, he went to Washington. So I'm not too happy about it, Pat. Uh, I I get that you have your rules. I just feel like some of these rules are very stupid. Like talking to a player before the, I don't even understand why there's a speaking period. Uh, I I feel like you can contact an athlete whenever, but.
2: It's, It's literally the most confusing thing ever. It is. And, and and it's it's gotten even worse with COVID. It's like it keeps like the the dead period is when you can't talk to recruits. It's been like it's it's it keeps on getting extended like every month, and obviously it's like screwed a lot of like high school players over. Um, but like it, I can't even follow it. I don't understand it one bit. It's like it's it it makes no sense to me. Um, yeah, I, there's I, I honestly like would love if someone could explain like why it's put in place because it makes no sense.
0: Yeah, and the fact that he didn't choose any of those three schools and went up to, like, the Pac-10 or the Pac-12 was pretty funny, too, and the fact you you are getting punished for it. I wonder if that was like, a bait-type thing where he's like, I know these guys, what they're doing is legal right now, and I know that I could potentially be thrown into the fire if I go to one of those schools and they find out. Maybe he was covering his own ass. You never know. Here's another thing,
1: too. Uh, He he lives right by Washington, which was another aspect of him going – to uh washington so that's another aspect but i do like what you're saying here a little bait action i i like it
0: that or he just he realized what he was what was happening was illegal and he's like if i go to one of these schools and i get caught and this breaks i might be fucked and like my name i get tarnished and like yeah. suspended but maybe he was kind of covering his ass i don't know
2: well I, I, here's another like put, put, put yourself in his shoes too like the, the kid is the kid's young um, he really probably doesn't have too much guidance. Um, and he's got big schools talking to him. you know, he, he's probably trying to take advantage as much as he can. Um, and then when he realizes he kind of, uh, something was happened wrong. Um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if he, he, he obviously guessed he did the right thing. He's narking, but you know, like everybody, I, you know, honestly, like every school's cheating. Every school's paying. Sure. There's everybody's talking about when they're not supposed to, um, it, it it's just it's ridiculous, you know. You can't find – I promise you go you to know, every D1 school in the nation and you won't find anything, any dirt on their name, you know. Yeah. No, you, you raise a good point. And I think uh, you could do the same thing for college football
0: and you could do the same thing for college basketball. So it's a hell of a segue into our college basketball segment. Uh, so nothing – it's been pretty quiet lately. Uh, the top three still remains the same. Gonzaga at one, Baylor at two, Villanova at three, Iowa at four, Texas at five. We're looking at Michigan at number seven. Uh, PT, Carolina it slipped all the way to 22. You guys are down
2: eight spots. Yeah, it, it's, it's been a rough patch. Um, we also had our game against Michigan State canceled um, on Saturday due to Michigan State's had some COVID issues. So we've had a little dead period. Um, we play Iowa on Friday. I thought we were going to get absolutely destroyed until Iowa turns around and loses to Indiana by 15-plus. Uh, like, point points? It. Yeah. So I think it's it could be a really good game. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully Illinois can kind of play to their full potential um, and definitely make some big moves in the charts. As long as staying in the top 25, I'll be happy. Yeah, and really everything resets once the uh, the tournament rolls around. I
0: mean, everything's unpredictable at that point. So it it's really isn't that big of a deal. I mean, like you said, you're staying in the top 25, you're fine. Once the Big Ten tourney rolls around, that's going to be a lot of fun. And honestly, going into the Big Ten tourney is going to be the best testament best. it's like the best training to have before going to the national tournament itself. So um, that's going to be a lot of fun. So let's close out with a pretty funny
1: topic. I want to get your guys' interpretations of this. So This pissed me off. On... I'm not going to lie.
0: It kind of did too because like the question – oh, so i all going to do it. So Duke lost last night to Louisville uh, or yesterday afternoon to Louisville and Coach K is doing his Zoom interview. Now Duke's not even ranked. They're 5-5 five five of the season. They're truly in shambles right now. Um Right. This this uh, this kid who is an econ major for for Duke, who is a he's a beat writer for their, their uh, newspaper, says, "Coach, you know what's kind of the game plan going forward? How do you bounce back from a loss like this?" And Coach K's like, "What major are you?" And he's like, "I'm an econ major." He's like, "Okay, so you just you just had a really tough econ test, and you're you're leaving the classroom, and you, are you really thinking what you're going to do for the future? Like, are you planning like how to bounce back?" And, I mean, at least from my perspective as a student, if I bomb a test, like, yeah, it sucks. But, okay, I'm like, all right, I need to change things up. I need to kind of change my study skills, do this, do that. I am thinking ahead of how to get my grade back up. That was a pretty st- – I don't know if that's just me, but that was a dumbass question. That, like, uh, he tried to segue to, like, turn on this kid who's, what, 2021, 20, and it kind of backfired. Like, Coach is kind of a dick for this.
1: A hundred percent. He – dude, to – for – a guy a guy that's working for your school as a student and for you to just snap on him like that is unbelievably uncalled for made him look like a true dickhead and just just because for the first season in a while your team's struggling doesn't mean you have to take it out on a college student
2: you guys already know how I feel about dude <laughs> Yeah, Elmwood <laughs> goes in and beats the living shit out of them. Yeah, they've had they've had some people hurt. Yeah, that's a down year. And they go around and say, "Oh, I don't think we're going to play any more non-conference games." Soft. And he comes around and has this most unprofessional douchebag comment to a student at his own school that's trying to better himself. It's 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 the worst look. On the whole university, on the basketball program, I've lost all respect for Coach K and the program. It's 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 absolutely like it's it's cringeworthy. I mean, these guys are they're they're moping like like you're you're the fucking you're supposed to be the best coach in college basketball. And you're sitting here and fucking giving a kid shit who's asking you questions, a legitimate question. You guys are struggling, and and he's he's being soft. He, he's he's be, the whole. I, I I gotta stop because I'm literally gonna explode. It's, it's ridiculous. It's so soft. It's 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 embarrassing. It's unprofessional. Shame on you, Duke.
0: Yeah, I mean, like PT, you said about that was a legitimate question to be asked after a loss, like to a to a loss.
2: What
1: was team yeah? Like what Louisville. was so wrong about the question?
0: No, like your your team is struggling. You need to kind of figure things out. A legitimate question to ask after losing to a good team like Louisville is like, okay, you guys took a tough tough loss on the on your chin. How do you bounce back? What's your game plan going for? You know, stuff like that. That's a legitimate question. That you don't sit and dwell on losses, especially in a quick turnaround sport like basketball. Where football, maybe. You have a week to kinda of go back, look at film, kinda of dwell on what went wrong. When it comes to basketball, yeah, you do go back and look what went wrong, but you have to kind of put it over your put it behind you and move on and plan for what's going forward. That was one hundred percent a legitimate question to ask. And I do think Coach K picked up that it was a younger kid, telling by his voice. I guarantee you if that's a well like respected writer for like whatever dukes like a duke area nice newspaper is or like an espn reporter or stuff like that he doesn't snap on a guy like that he he fucking bullied him because he knew he was a kid and he's like okay this kid brought me the wrong way this was so i'm just gonna go snap on him like and and for me too like obviously i don't like the idea of doing that to a student but just his turnaround like what if you took a bad e-contest are you gonna sit there and dwell on it like no If we take bad, at least again, from my perspective, if I bomb a test, I want to forget about it and move on and game plan to do well in the next one. I'm not going to dwell on a bad test. That's stupid. You can't change it at that point. Like, Coach K, you know, man, like, I I, I never hated Duke. I never loved Duke. I I always kind of lean towards North Carolina a little bit more than Duke. But, like, come on. That's just not a good look. And I don't know if he's issued an apology. He probably won't. But, I mean, that's just not a good look, guys. Not a good look.
1: No, definitely not. So that does it for this episode of Cloudgate Sports. Thank you guys once again for listening. Make sure to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all the good stuff. Make sure to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you guys get your podcast needs. Again, thank you guys for listening and we will catch you in the next one.
2: Peace. Peace out. Hit hard.
1: Stretch. Austin Jackson Bank looks up. You
0: can. Put it on the board.
1: Taves center for Kane. He scores! Oh, Patrick Kane set up by John of the Tave. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. time. Hawk wins. Looking.
0: Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away.
2: to the 20, breaks free of the 25, to the 30, to the